The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your caps. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Coming up on the show today, Thursdays mean Mike Pratt will join us. Also, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And John Lewis from WDRB-TV in Louisville. Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. And we'll start with UK women posting an impressive win over West Virginia last night in the SEC Big 12 Challenge at Memorial Coliseum. Ryan Howard led the way with 27 points. Kentucky was plus 15 on the boards and shot over 50% from the field. So... A lot of good numbers for Kentucky and a, a strong showing against West Virginia last night. A uh, couple of football uh, notes. Uh, one that uh, neglected to mention yesterday. This was from the radio show on Tuesday night with Coach Stoops. And he didn't sound all that optimistic about uh, Josh Paschal making it for the bowl game. Most of you probably heard that during the show. But for those who didn't, he said that it's, quote, a little more serious, uh, the injury that Josh came out of the Louisville game with and things that he's dealt with this season. Uh, so that Josh is very motivated to play. So I think uh, this one we'll just have to see how it goes. And uh, if if there's any, uh, any good news, I would suspect it would be uh, later in the month closer to the bowl game. We'll find out the bowl game on Sunday for Kentucky. Uh, a few awards notes. Uh, Yusuf Corkers, one of eight semifinalists for the Lot Impact Trophy. This one honors former NFL star defensive back Ronnie Lott and focuses in on a lot of things off the field, um, integrity and uh, community service, etc. And then Kenneth Horsey named to the SEC's Community Service Team for his uh, work off the field as a Kentucky Wildcat. A couple of more guys entering the transfer portal. Uh, Nasir Watkins, offensive lineman, who has uh, battled uh, several injuries in his time here and uh, never he always looked like a great prospect and never could uh, get to the top of the depth chart and stay there. And then uh, running back Torrance Davis, um, could have been maybe some uh, linebacker time, too. But uh, both of those young men entering the transfer portal. To the college basketball scoreboard, men's college basketball last night. And uh, we'll start with some surprising scores from the SEC. A good surprise for the league was Georgia upending number 18 Memphis, 82-79 to in Athens. I watched uh, much of the second half of this one after uh, the Michigan State-Louisville uh, game got some separation. I switched over and watched Georgia-Memphis, and uh, Memphis had a a small lead for much of the second half, but Georgia finally pushed ahead in the final couple of minutes and held off the Tigers. So a nice win for Georgia. Number 14, Florida, a loser to Oklahoma last night, 74-67. Gators had really been playing well. And then South Carolina, uh, which had gotten off to a nice start, got waxed against Coastal Carolina. 80 to 56. I have to look uh, look this up. I think that game was played at Coastal Carolina too. Um, Mark Pope, 
Number 12, BYU, losing to his former employer, Utah Valley, 72-65. to And in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, number 24, Michigan, got run by North Carolina, 72-51. to So a big win for the new Tar Heels coach, Hubert Davis, there. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Seven days a week. And we're coming to you from the Clark's Puppet Shop studio in Lexington with our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. When we come back, Mike Pratt will join us and uh, we'll talk a little Kentucky basketball with the Wildcat Hall of Famer. Our Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. Gift cards from Giuseppe's would make anybody happy this holiday season. You can go to Giuseppe's Lexington to order them, and they'll mail them out to you. Or you can just go pick them up at their drive through window that they put in last year, and that's a great place to grab a wonderful Giuseppe's meal to take home with you, as well as those gift cards. Giuseppe'sLexington.com. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Past the top of the hour, it's the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Mike Pratt joins us the program. You can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. And uh, the uh, the cats have a few days off, but we have a road trip coming up tomorrow. We do, Tom. Uh, we're going to take our take our book and go on the road to Hazard, Kentucky. And for all, um, uh, for all of our uh, been Hazard in years, down looking in, uh, forward that to the, the visit. They uh, are great Wildcat fans, obviously, down in that part of the state. Um, yes, they are. Went there when I was uh, doing the book with Coach Brooks several years ago. This one is uh, going to be tomorrow at Reed Spotted Newt uh, in Hazard uh, from 4 to 6. Mike and I will be there signing uh, our new book, which is uh, just now out, uh, about our 20 years of calling the U.K. basketball games on the U.K. Sports Network. A lot of fun stories in there, and uh, we'll be glad to uh, meet folks tomorrow from 4 to 6 down in Hazard. Uh, Then we'll be at Joseph Beth in Lexington on Saturday at noon and at the U.K. bookstore on campus on Sunday at noon. So uh, an off week for the Wildcats uh, football and basketball teams, but uh, we will be quite busy so hope to see a lot of you folks and uh, we'll send out some reminders on social media as well um tom Tom, you know when we uh put this together and started working on it and talking about it uh, i I thought there was some interesting things that we could say and and, uh, some funny things that happened following these teams but uh, i've got some friends who got the book already and uh they're laughing at some stories in there they thought it was uh very entertaining, the uh, little okay. inside baseball, a little bit of a remembrance of some great teams, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I um, enjoy every season. I enjoy uh, just doing the games. It's what I always wanted to do. But uh, the the good seasons certainly are a whole lot more fun, and there have been a lot of those in our 20 years. And um, fun stories. Uh, so we've got some lists in there that uh, on different topics uh, that we uh, – Gave you some thoughts on uh, so some fun pictures in there as well. So uh, we just kind of tried to have a good time with it. I think it's a uh, a fun read, and I got Mike to uh, share two or three of my favorite stories of his from his playing days that are in there. That if you haven't heard, you will get a chuckle out of. So um, it should be a fun and 
easy read for the holidays and fits into a stocking just very easily. Very easily. And, and I'm going to uh, just tease a little bit here, Tom, because I do tell a story about Mike Casey and there are our uh, dear, dear teammates. So uh, I gave Dan his a copy of my book, of the book that was sent to me. Um, and, you know, we do a show together. So we're, we're gathering before the show the other day. And he, he was laughing about the story I told him. I'm not going to tell it because people need to get the book about Casey. And I said, well, yes. I said, you were involved in this, too. I said, you, you were involved in this scenario, that, that story I tell. And, and Tommy looked at me and he goes, yeah. I can remember that. I guess so, you know. <laughs> so we brought back memories for everybody, including those involved. <laughs> uh, I remember one night we were at the SEC tournament in Atlanta and went out to uh, dinner the night before the game. And I think, uh, Mike Casey and his daughter were with us and uh, Jim LeMaster. And it was just uh, a treat listening to you guys tell stories from your playing days. So uh, I think fans will enjoy some of those. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the current edition of the Wildcats. and uh, They've had uh, several of these tune-up games, as Cal calls them. One more to go before they uh, get into uh, the stiffer opposition up at Notre Dame a week from Saturday. Uh, What growth have you seen to this point? What what do you think, if anything, you've learned from these games? Well, it seems still somewhat of a mystery to me, Tom in some ways, but the good things I've seen, boy, the first half they played uh, the other night against Central Michigan was terrific. I mean, as far as the rotation, the aggressiveness, the ability to stay between the ball and the basket, um, the communication, I just was really impressed. They they built the lead. Second half, they kind of went to sleep, but that's understandable. That does happen. But, boy, that first-half defense uh, was uh, really, really good, I thought, as far as the technical piece of uh, playing defense the way Calipari wants. Um, I, I like it when they push the ball. I really like it when they push the ball. I think at times Wheeler gets a little deep into the paint, but, you know, they'll be working with him on that and trying to make sure that he doesn't uh, add up uh, some high turnover numbers. And uh, I think he's made real progress in understanding the offense and what he needs to do. And on the other hand, I think people are uh, people players are getting used to what he does and how they play off of what he does. So I like that growth. Um, I still don't know who we can count on uh, if Oscar gets in foul trouble. Uh, Toppin has been you know in and out, injured, whatnot. Lance Ware, too. So I'm interested to see what the backups do to, to Oscar as we go forward. Yeah, you know, if if uh, they don't have him for a long stretch, or a couple of games where they didn't, uh, my guess is it's probably going to be something you know that'll be different from game to game. He'll, he'll they'll probably struggle a little bit till he you know finds the right group of guys on that given night against that matchup because Oscar is is such a uh, you know, commanding presence when he is in there as a rebounder. Well, I, I think if you dig into the numbers, which I've looked at, uh, Keon and, and, and Oscar playing together, it's really an efficient offensive combination. Now, Keon's not six nine or 10, and he's not built like a football player, but he gets some things done. He's starting really to be consistent this year already. So those two guys together really, really are a force uh, offensively. Now, if you look around the landscape of college basketball, 
I haven't seen Notre Dame play. I've looked at their stats, but I'm going to watch them here very soon. I watched Ohio State, and they're just like some of the other teams that are really good. They're going to play bully ball with you. They have Key, uh, uh, Latrell, two powerful players, and they're going to play bully ball. They, Key was able to bully Duke's big guy. Now, that tells you something. So I would think that that uh, Ohio State game is going to be uh, a real indicator of what uh, how people uh, take their, their game plan against Oscar inside. Cal has said uh, more than once that as he is watching games – that he sees it being really physical. And it, it does seem like there are uh, maybe a, a fewer fouls being called and they're uh, you know, uh, letting a little more contact go. Do you see that? Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell um, with the level of competition we played exactly how that shakes out. Um, but I've seen some games where they you know, let them play on television. There's some other games they nitpick and uh, really miss some calls. So I think that'll all shake out as we go through December. But, you know, with the people we played, it's it's pretty hard to tell, Tom, uh, about that particular situation. Uh, Some surprising scores last night. Uh, I watched the Michigan State-Louisville game for a while. Michigan State got a a good bit of separation, so I switched over to Georgia-Memphis, and I guess UofL made a a bit of a rally and ended up losing by nine. But a nice win for Georgia, but Florida took an L against Oklahoma and South Carolina got pummeled. Yeah, I, you know, I was really surprised. I've watched Florida a couple times. They've been really impressed. You know, they beat Ohio State. Yeah. And uh, I, I think their game last night was at home against Oklahoma, correct? Uh, I'll have to look and see. I, th- I was thinking it was uh, either neutral or in Norman, but let me check on that while you make your point. Okay, that, that makes a little bit of difference. I thought they played them at home, but that was a shocker to me because I really have been impressed with Florida. And I told uh, uh, Issel the other day, I said, you watch these guys. They're pretty good. <laughs> they play an egg against Oklahoma. Who's not projected Oklahoma. to be great this year. At the Lloyd Noble Center in Norman. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, Georgia, I mean, I guess Penny Hardaway and Larry Brown have their hands full trying to balance that team and get them to play together. And, you know, there's two guys that they signed, uh, both are young, particularly the kid from Michigan. I can't think of his name. He's, Bates. He's only – should have been a senior in high school. So, you know, it's, it's tough to pull that team together with some veterans, uh, with those guys who are supposed to be key players, are, are so young. So that's a interesting experiment going on in Memphis. Mike Pratt, thank you much. Uh, we'll see you on the road tomorrow to Hazard. Thank you, sir. You got it, man. I'm looking forward to it. At Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. And again, uh, he and I are going to be at the Reed Spotted Newt Bookstore in Hazard from 4 to 6 tomorrow, signing books. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Well, welcome, Justin Rowland, into the program from CatsIllustrated.com. And we'll start with the big news for Kentucky football about the new deal for Mark Stoops. And uh, now feels like uh, Kentucky fans can... Uh, let their minds ease for a little while, at least uh, till till the end of next season, and maybe names come up again. But uh, 
You uh, made a comparison on on Twitter to some other guys who have built up programs from uh, much lower spots and took them to higher spots and kept them there, and the coaches who who uh, stayed there. So, uh, kind of seems like you think that could be a a, a a script for Mark Stoops. Yeah, the usual names that people mention in that context: Barry Alvarez, Bill Snyder, Frank Beamer. You could, you could keep going on, guys, in jobs where there isn't as much history. Maybe there are some historical or, or logistical challenges or limitations, and they just stay, and maybe they turn down a job or turn down a bunch of jobs, or it just doesn't work out at other places. And um, I think that's the situation Stoops is in. Now, he's got to do it for a lot longer, but there's no reason that he can't. There's nothing stopping him from doing that. And the longer he's at Kentucky and the better and better his contract gets. And I think now he sees more as possible than maybe maybe a lot of people thought a long time ago. He sees even more as possible. Um, I think it's just more likely that he stays. But that doesn't mean that that something will never come up. Iowa or, you know, Michigan or something like you you're always gonna have to be prepared to hold your breath, but but this was a big off season for sure. Why do you think he sees that? What is it that uh, you think he sees that uh, maybe uh, causes him to believe the upside could be higher here than a lot of other people thought? I think um, they used to have to rely on one or two places to get a lot of talented players. And as the perception of Kentucky football has changed, they, they can spread out and they can be more selective. I think in in the South, they're getting a better reception now. I think um, – You've had several straight years of basically a 500 or better SEC conference record, and, and that, that changes the game. And um, You're one of the more tenured coaches in the league. You now have an offense that's balanced, and the transfer portal has been a game changer. And I think he, he sees you can build a, a contender in one off season, and that's totally new in college football. Yeah, you used to have to go to maybe the JUCO route to try to get a quick fix, and that didn't always work, or sometimes that, that player might have to be in your program a year or so before you really started paying dividends. And now with a transfer portal, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like a free agent signing in, uh, in the professional ranks. We're uh, coming up on the bottom of the hour. Justin Rowland's with us from CatsIllustrated.com. Any specials for the, leading up to the holidays? Yep, nearly 80% off right now. It's on the front page of Cats Illustrated. Thanks. Check that out. We'll come back with more from Justin Rowland. When we return, it's the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops across the Bluegrass. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. The Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Palomar and in Hamburg. Justin Rowland joining us from CatsIllustrated.com. We were talking about the Kentucky football program and uh, Mark Stoops and uh, how he has built it up. And it had been a lot of people for a long time. Justin, you've heard him as well. You know, you can only go so far at Kentucky. Or, but the thing I always thought about this job is obviously it's it's uh, difficult in this league because you uh, don't have the recruiting base of, of uh, a lot of the other schools. Well. Stoops adds Ohio to Kentucky's base, and so the numbers look uh, at least a lot better in that regard. And the thing is, I always felt like if you think about it like climbing a hill, you get to a spot on the hill, and then if you can hold it, then you can maybe move to a higher spot. And at some point, maybe you you uh, run out of the ability to 
keep moving forward, but I'm not sure what that point is, and maybe you can get to the top. But uh, they're certainly in a lot better position than Kentucky's been in a long, long time. Well, the East is a lot more manageable than it was for a long time. You go back to the 90s and, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida as a whole, you know, Georgia's great now, but the others are more up and down than they were, I think. And then you add Missouri, another team that you've really beaten pretty well since they've joined the league, and Vanderbilt, and really Tennessee and South Carolina also being down. Year after year now, Kentucky has a more manageable SEC schedule. I think it's more like a Power 5 schedule in most other leagues. And I think that might make some people grimace who are like, hey, it's still a tough schedule. It is a tough schedule. It is a tough hill. But it's more manageable, and they've improved. And and frankly, I think the name, image, and likeness stuff, you know, this is not something Kentucky's doing. It's something that is is reflecting the passion of Kentucky and for Kentucky and college sports in Kentucky. Uh, it's turned out to be a much bigger positive for Kentucky football than I knew it was going to be. Last year it was Kentucky and Oklahoma and Georgia who worked the portal better than any programs in the country, and it looks like Kentucky is poised to do that again and that seems like it's going to be a, a self-perpetuating cycle where people just see this is a portal destination school, at least under Mark Stoops. And I told somebody the other day, I, it's almost like putting Kentucky in Atlanta um, in terms of the impact talent-wise, uh, the, the, the way that the portal is helping them. Um, it, it really is wiping out that historical talent disadvantage uh, based on geography that Kentucky has had. And I, I really believe that. I think it's that big of an impact, the, the portal and the name, image, and likeness. haven't seen anybody's name as far as Kentucky guys going into the portal that has surprised me yet. Uh, uh, so two-part question here. Uh, I assume you or do you agree with that? And then secondly, how do you see it coming the other direction for Kentucky? Yeah, and the Sear Watkins, I mean, was, was one that hadn't been talked about a lot, but I think because of some, some injuries, that was, you, you weren't banking on him being a starter in the future, and, and I don't think you had calculated that he was going to be part of that rotation. So that wasn't a shock. I would assume there would be a good number of others, and, you know, you, I, I don't like to, to speculate on names, but if you just right, look I at agree. guys who's, um, they've kind of been passed up by people who are younger than them, I think that's always, um, they're thinking about it if you're thinking about it. And, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to have five, six, seven, eight guys go into the portal pretty much everywhere, and you're going to have those those seven guys allowed over the typical 25 limit. And uh, so roster construction has never been more difficult. And uh, this, this places a lot of pressure on a lot of people, you know, guys who are expecting to start next year, but maybe they don't know. Maybe they're on the fence. Uh, are they going to recruit over me? And this is for guys everywhere. It's just total chaos right now. How do you think Kentucky plays the portal as far as bringing guys in? What position groups? I think they need a couple of pass rushers. And I think in, in the big picture, they're looking at next year's team and say, okay, I think we can maybe we can get Rosenthal to return a tackle. Maybe we, we're going to have this kind of offense. But what do we what do we need to get to the next level? They need a couple of pass rushers. They need a couple of guys that can go in and, you know, if you're playing Georgia, you can you can make a couple of plays in the backfield that can tip that game in your direction. I think they need to overhaul the secondary, and that's not saying we can't start these guys that are in line to start or, or whatever. This is we're losing a bunch of guys, and the secondary wasn't good enough this year, so we're not going to turn down good players. And I could see them taking up to 
three or four guys between junior college and the portal um, to overhaul next year's secondary. And then I think they would like another receiver. Um, they got Taj Harris from Syracuse lined up. And, uh, I, but you're losing Ali and Wandale, really the only two guys that you've thrown to at receiver this year. And that's a lot to lose. So they'll be looking for the best possible receiver that they could pair Taj Harris with. Yeah. And, you know, the receiver position is going to be a, a lot uh, to be optimistic about on paper, but uh, there won't be any, if one, if, you know, if you don't have Wandale and Ali, there's not going to be much of any production in a Kentucky uniform on paper. Yeah. Yeah, they're in kind of a bind, right? I don't want to call it a bind because I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, because no, they got I think a bunch of really good. They got a bunch of tight ends they can throw to now, and they got a bunch of running backs they can throw to now. And we've seen that Cohen can put together a patchwork, balanced offense with only a couple of receivers that he's really comfortable throwing to. So those are good signs. Uh, but if you lose Ali and Wandale, then you better bring in two difference makers, and uh, and they've got one. They need another. And then you, then you hope you could, uh, you know, the young guys, freshmen or maybe a DeKel Crowdis that got hurt this year, guys like that can, you know, become your two, three, or four guys and maybe over the course of the season grow into more. But you, yeah. you don't want to have to lean on them to be your one from the beginning. It was Magwood and Crowdis who were the two that were prepared to play this year. Crowdis injured, of course. Magwood played a lot but just wasn't ready to be targeted like the other guys that they had. I wouldn't sleep on Christian Lewis. I've heard that guys like him long-term athletically. He's got some traits that he's going to develop into a really nice player, maybe even the best NFL prospect of that bunch eventually down the road. And then also um, I think Dane Key and Barry and Brown, talent-wise in terms of the kinds of player they are, are going to be more ready to play next year, make a difference next year than anybody they've brought in in a while. Uh, what are you hearing on the recruiting front as uh, Stoops and guys, the staff are out uh, very busy this week? Um, how's it going? I mean, th- I think they've got a, a lot of momentum again. You know, if they were going out on the heels of those three losses, it would be one thing. But they they, they wrapped up with three straight wins, and they're going to be in a good bowl game. And you know, I think people see that that it's a different program now. It's a legit uh, it's a legit middle tier compete in the East SEC program and. So he's able to go into New Jersey after big-time cornerback Davison and Big Benison, and then he's able to go down to Georgia and defensive tackle Quintel Jones, and he can go talk to Kobe Albert, Auburn commit, big-time athlete, receiver, defensive back, really all over the map, and he's got a brand to sell now. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that between the portal and recruiting, they're going to finish very strong, maybe with a top 15 class and then one of the top portal halls again. I mean, I think I think this is a team that could be on paper – in line to compete for the East next year. Yeah, as far as this past year, considering you know they the difference makers on defense that got injured that clearly impacted their defense, um, and to have the negative the level of negative turnover number that they had, to have those two things happen and still win nine games is pretty strong. Yeah, the turnover margin and and the injuries. I mean, it's a lot for anybody to replace five defensive starters into the NFL in one year. And Kentucky did that. And they also had three front seven players out for an extended time with injury. And they lose their cornerback coach much later than you thought, who was kind of one of their main game planners on defense in Steve Klinkscale. That was in May. And, uh, and, and it's just a lot to replace unless you're Alabama. And we've seen even this year, Alabama is not immune to, to a step down for replacing a lot of, I just think only Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, 
State games were they were they not good? I think the other games they they were they were good, um, but clearly a little bit of an edge was lost when when they had all those losses. And and I think next year will be better. Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. You can go there to see the holiday uh, offer for uh, subscribing. And we will talk to you next week, Justin. Thanks a lot, Tom. You can follow him on Twitter, at Roland Rivals. And we are coming up on 17. Away from the top of the hour, it is the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Wild Eggs gift cards would be a great holiday stocking stuffer, too. You can pick those up at the Hamburg or Palomar stores or... Go to wildeggs.com, find out more about them, and make uh, online uh, get on the online online wait list there too at wildeggs.com. We'll be right back with John Lewis. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. So a note from our buddy Larry Vaught at YourSportsEdge.com that Frederick Douglass High School and future Wildcats star Dane Key has won the Paul Horning Award as the top high school football player in Kentucky. So congratulations to Dane Key, uh, son of former Wildcat Dante Key. And uh, his teammate, Jagger Burton, won the award last year. Uh, the year before, it was Bo Allen. The year before that, Wandale Robinson. So all of those guys on the Kentucky team uh, now, and Dane, or, except Dane, and he'll be joining uh, next season. So uh, congrats to Dane Key and his family for uh, that honor. Douglas is playing in the 5A state championship game uh, tomorrow uh, here in Lexington. And so you can go out and see him in action. Uh, we are joined by John Lewis, WDRBTV.com, uh, to talk a little bit about U.K. sports. Let me first start with... Uh, U of L, John, because they're going to show up on the Kentucky schedule here in a few weeks, uh, and the uh, Cards had a nice run down in the Bahamas, but then uh, took it on the chin to Michigan State last night. They were down big, but made a nice run at the end. Yeah, they did. You know, L. Ellis uh, <laughs> really came through there at the end. It looked like the game was over. He just kind of came out of nowhere. He ended up with a, uh, I think he ended up with a career high twenty-two points, and sixteen came uh, really in crunch time. Uh, it's just really, I think the one thing about U of L is they implemented this, uh, Ross McMains, who came from, uh, he really came from overseas to implement this new, what was supposed to be this really up tempo, uh, different kind of offense. And I think it's taken a little time, uh, for them to get adjusted. Not, so not only are you trying to bring in this new offensive philosophy, they've tried to do so with Chris Mack not being able to have any contact with the team for the first six games. And that, and that was, you know, for really, he couldn't have any contact, much less coach in practice or anything. So, I think you're starting to see some of that. But yeah, they really struggled there in the you know against some some much lower level competition, and then stepped it up the Bahamas. Um, I don't know if it's a matter of them playing up to the competition or playing down to the competition. But yeah, last night looked like it was going to be a blowout until they they made a run at the end there. So it's I think this is going to be a work in progress. I don't know that this offense that they they've talked about so much in the preseason is really going to come to fruition anytime soon. John Calipari has had a few weeks to work with his basketball team and try different combinations and been forced to try some different ones because of injury and illness too. But uh, what have you learned as just somebody observing the Cats uh, about the team and uh, how have any thoughts about this team or expectations changed from what you've seen? Well, the one one thing, I I think eventually I'm going to, 
stop being surprised that Oscar Sheboy continues to get double doubles. But every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy is as good as advertised. And, uh, and, and I think he really handled the, uh, the kind of controversial comments from his former uh, head coach, uh, Bob Huggins. Uh, I think he's handled that awfully well. And he looks like a guy who likes to work. Uh, and I think Ty Ty Washington, uh, I didn't know really what to expect. I knew he was a superstar uh, coming in. But, you know, you never know. These kids don't play in a vacuum. And as John Calipari says, they're not computers. But he he has come in there and has been the real deal. That's just I, I just that combination to me, you know, with guard and the, and then that power in the middle has just been. Uh, and I know the competition uh, has other than Duke. You know, it, it's not been. I, I'll be interested to see what they do against a much higher level competition. But taking nothing away from those two guys, that's just been they have been an incredible duo so far. Yeah, I'm eager to see uh, the latter part of December. The first it started Notre Dame, which been a little up and down but still it's uh, it's a true road game so you have to go up there and play at their place and then the Ohio State game looks even tougher after what the Buckeyes did to Duke this week and then you got UofL after that so those are uh, three uh, games where we will get a good evaluation on um, how far they have come in those uh, tune-up games as Cal calls them since the Duke game. Um, Oscar Sheboy you mentioned Dan Issel's got the school record for double doubles in a year. Uh, it's, I believe, twenty-five. Julius Randle had twenty-four and made a, a run at it. Uh, Oscar may be uh, overtaken uh, Dan Issel by the end of the season on that stat. I, I tell you, I'm, I, I'm wondering. I mean, the streak, this streak has been uh, it's been incredible, and it, he does it with. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't want to, because he's been attacked for his work ethic. That guy works on the floor, but it almost seems like there's been so many times where he just does it. Just It's come naturally to him. He's just a rebounding machine. And, you know, there are a lot of coaches that'll say that rebounding is, is a lot more about effort and want to than it is skill. But, I mean, he obviously has both. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of records that this this team might set, and I think Oscar Sheway might find himself in the record book pretty quickly. There is, you know, a, this effort component is a big part of rebounding, but there are some uh, some things you can do in terms of, you know, how learning how balls are, you know, going to come off, where to position yourself. And listening to Oscar talk to Mike Pratt after the game uh, earlier this week, um, it's clear that uh, he thinks in those terms he was talking about uh, you know he's uh, a lot of thought goes into you know when a shot goes up where he's going to position himself given that you know most of the time it's going to come off the uh, you know, if, it sh- if you shoot from the left like 75 percent of the time he said it's going to come off to the right but sometimes you can tell if the shot looks like it's going to be short and he can position himself differently so it's more than just hustle that uh, he's utilizing yeah, he's a cerebral player, and and also if if you've got that kind of knowledge and then that kind of body, you're probably gonna, you're going to you're going to get a lot of rebounds. It's just it. I really, it's been really fun watching him play. And uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, there's if there's any question about his work ethic, I think that he's uh, he's answered that on the floor. Kentucky fans always they love Kentucky kids. Number one, so they're going to root for Dante Allen. But they love players that just play hard. Chuck Hayes was a you know a big fan favorite for that reason, and so. Uh, I think the the Kentucky fans have uh, wrapped their arms tightly around Oscar Sheboy. No doubt. I mean, UK fans uh, that is absolutely one of the most knowledgeable fan bases uh, I think in the country. And then when they they see things that I think a lot of like your general fan would not. But yeah, they, they've got to love him. But not just the stat, the stat line, but watching him work out there. He's going to do a lot of things that it's cliche, but he works so hard he'll do a lot of things that that, that may not show up in the books after the game. <laughs> 
What questions do you still have about this Kentucky basketball team? Um, I think there were some questions about their three-point defense when you saw that there were some, some teams that were coming in that were hot shooters. I mean, Ohio was a team that was you know hot from behind the arc. Now, I haven't studied the stats, so I don't know if that's improved or not. But like you said, I think those are some of the, the – that was one question that I had, um, you know, coming into some of these, uh, again, tune-up games, as, as Calipari called them. So I'll be interested to see what happens when that competition does step up because they're going to face some really, really good shooters here late, later on. Uh, and then, you know, and then in the SEC, I think the SEC might be a little bit underrated going in. So, uh, but that that'd be the one question that I want to see that's going to be really answered here later on. John Lewis, it's at John WDRB on Twitter, WDRB.com on the web. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. It's John Lewis joining us here on the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. When we come back, we will close out this edition of our show. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. A couple of Wildcat birthdays today. Good day to be born if you wanted to be a great point guard at the University of Kentucky. Brandon Knight celebrating a birthday today. And Ralph Beard from the Fabulous Five teams uh, was born on this day. And um, what a cool dude uh, he was. Enjoyed getting to know uh, Ralph when I started doing uh, Kentucky basketball. Um, One recruiting note, five-star guard Robert Dillingham, uh, as expected, chose NC State yesterday. Kentucky uh, had offered. He's in the uh, 2023 class. Uh, On the college basketball board tonight, uh, there is one ranked team in action. That's number 11, Arizona, hosting Washington. And uh, in the SEC tonight, uh, nothing. Uh, Missouri and uh, Missouri's at Liberty um, and uh, Missouri as it will be Kentucky's first league foe on the 29th of this month, and Mississippi State's at home against Lamar. So nothing to get too excited about in the league tonight. That'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom,